Welcome to the Kingdom Mandate. Join us each Saturday as we share empowering and equipping messages that reflect on the Kingdom of God according to His sovereign will for mankind to remain in His covenant order. Get your clarion call and follow us on Blog Talk Radio, Kingdom Empowerment, Inc. Again, strange women of the Bible. 
In Genesis 38, I'm reading from verse 1 so that we can get the complete story of what happened. How did Tamar come into the picture um, and what Tamar uh, did and how the end turned out for her lineage? So in Genesis 38, it, it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua. And he took her and went in unto her. And she conceived and bare a son. And he called his name Er. And she conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. And she yet again conceived and bare a son and called his name Shelah. And he went. He was at Chezeb when he bare him. And Judah took a wife for, for Er, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. And Er, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord slew him. And Judah said unto Onan, Go in unto thy brother's wife and marry her. And raise up her seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his. And it came to pass when he went in unto her brother's his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord. Wherefore he slew him also. Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house till Shelah, my son, be grown. For he said, Lest peradventure he die also as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelled in her father's house. And in the process of time, the daughter of Judah's wife died. And Judah was comforted and went up into his sheep shears to Timnut, he and his friend Hira, the Adulamite. And it was told to Mor said, Behold, thy father in law goeth up to Timnut to shear his sheep. And she put her uh, widow's garment off from her and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in an open place, which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Sheila was grown and she was not given unto him to wife. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be an harlot because she had covered her face and he turned unto her by the way and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me that thou mayest come in unto me? And he said, I will send thee a kid from the flock. And she said, Wilt thou give me a pledge till thou send it? And he said, What pledge shall I give thee? And she said, Thy signet and thy bracelet and thy staff that is in thine hand. And he gave it to her and came in unto her, and she conceived by him, and she arose and went away, and laid by her veil from her. 
and put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the kid by the hand of his friend, the Adulamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand. But he, he found her not. Then he asked the men of that place, saying, Where is the harlot that was openly by the wayside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. And he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. And also the men of the place said, There that there was no harlot in this place. And Judah said, Let her take it to her, lest we be shamed. Behold, I sent this kid, and thou hast not found her. And it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, has played the harlot, and also, behold, she is with a child by harlot. And Judah said, Bring her forth, and let her be burnt. When she was brought forth, she said to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whose these are am I with child. And she said, Discern, I pray thee, whose are these, the signet and the bracelet and the staff. And Judah acknowledged them and said, She has been more righteous than I because that I gave her not to Sheila, my Shela, my son. And he knew her again no more. And it came to pass in the time of her travail that, behold, twins were in her womb. And it came to pass that when she prevailed, that the one put out his hand. And the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread, saying, This came out first. And it came to pass as he drew back his hand, that behold, his brother came out, and she said, How hast thou broken forth this breach be upon thee? Therefore his name was called Perez. And afterward came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zara. And so that is Genesis 38, and we will be discussing it, uh, the life, a time of Tamar uh, from Genesis 38, um, and how, you know, we, uh, how she came about, and again, what was the end of it as far as uh, where we are today? So let's look at this. Um, Jacqueline. Um, what did you get out of this uh, story about Tamar? She's a, um, you know, she plays a major role, and we're going to look at that later. But let's, I mean, what was so strange about her at that time? Well, um, when I read it, and I read it again, because I have I've read this story before, but reading it for the discussion um, revealed some other things to me. Um, first of all, Judah kind of looked at her, like she was, it was it was her fault that his children were were being killed, his sons, and he didn't look upon them with their disobedience, but he wanted to kind of shun Tamar, and she did what she did because she saw that eventually um, he was not going to give her the son uh, Sheila, so that she could have some children and have a family of her own and kind of like leave her as a widow. And she refused to just stand by and just be treated 
that way. So she made a, um, some people would call it a bold statement or, or what have you, and she stepped out and she heard that uh, Judah was going that way and sat right in the path of where he would probably be entering into the city to go and do whatever he was going to do and to be a harlot and then even conceived his child. So to protect herself too, and I, I believe that she thought ahead that if he was going to leave her a promise and just to say, here, I'll bring this back to you, not um, saying that she didn't trust him, but that, again, she probably didn't because he didn't keep his word previously, but that to protect herself when it was all said and done, that she would have something to say that whoever can identify with this signet and this staff is the one who actually got me pregnant. So when that came to be, and she did she did that particular thing, and then they wanted to steal, as you can see, they wanted to burn her because they felt as though what she had done, this dastardly deed, and then come to find out that it was, in fact, Judah himself who didn't keep his promise and, and was, um, you know, taken up into this situation. And then he pronounced afterwards that she was, turns out, in, that she was more honorable than he was because at least she came and said, yes, I'm pregnant, and this is who impregnated me, and he didn't have the decency to keep his word, but he did when it was placed at his feet. He didn't deny it, though, and, and he could, he just went ahead and confessed that he had made that, that horrible mistake. So in looking at um, Tamar, she was just determined to just not be, you know, kind of like, kicked to the side and be treated as a nobody when, you know, she was taken into this family, given to this son to wed, and um, he was a wicked person. He died. Then his brother turned out to be as wicked. He didn't want to um, continue on with the, the Mosaic law and continue his brother's bloodline, his brother's family line, because he said it wasn't going to be imparted for him. So he refused to impregnate her. He spilt his seed, and so she's kind of like left, you know, like um, kind of just out there, you know, um, and no one was considering her and her feelings. You know, she's being taken into wed, so she felt she was entitled to some things as being a, um, as being a wife, um, having married, looking to have a family, but it didn't turn out that way, and she just didn't, she refused to kind of just stand by and allow you know, that to be her particular state, to be determined by someone else. And she took a stand for herself. Yeah, I love that, and that that is good. And, um, you know, going back to the point where you were talking about that, um, you know, when she uncovered herself and she went into the city, um, you know, I believe it was in the Matthew Henry's concise uh, commentary uh, where I was reading before that he wrote that uh, Bishop Patrick kind of um, summed it up as well. You know, we're just looking at this from a different perspective um, because we really couldn't know the mind of Tamar because it's not written. But mm-hmm. she could have thought that when he was going to, um, you know, go to the sheep shears that, he was taking his son Sheila with him. And with right. that, of course, when, you know, the thought would be that, 
she's going to be seen by Sheila and perhaps, you know, be able to resume her covenant right according to, you know, later on the Levitical law states that um, the brother of uh, the deceased, uh, a deceased brother's brother would marry the wife um, to continue on with the lineage. And so um, this is, uh, it could have, you know, I'm just looking at it from a different angle, um, but not saying and assuming that that's perfectly right. She could have been innocent in it, but Mm -hmm. uh, we we don't know her mind and we don't know actually what her thought was, but to sit by the wayside with a veil gives an assumption that she possibly was um, playing the role of a harlot, we can't really tell. We know that uh, by historical means that, that the women that would have been out in the open like that um, would have been had the perception of being a harlot. And that's what um, Judah perceived her to be, um, mm-hmm. according to the word of God. And then the other thing is that we can look at in this is that um, that is so important is Historically, the historical fact was that Judah's age was like he was 15 or 16 years old. So he doesn't have a a formed mind. And and let's take another look at it. He was the daughter, I mean, the son of Leah. And so Hmm. um, I'm kind of, you know, thinking about what was his training and his uh, upbringing. But we know also she had uh, Simeon and Levi as children uh, as her children as well, but he Judah was um, one a child of Leah. So we're trying to get an assumption of what what is Judah's mindset at that age of sixteen, and then he has he has gone outside of the normal Hebrew um, lineage of thinking like you know uh, assuming a relationship with Hira, which was a, a Dulamite. So let's uh, look at that as well as we continue on the pace and looking at Tamora um, and why some would say that she was a strange woman. And uh, according, you know, to the word of God, I think uh, most of uh, the ones that were going through the reason why they were strange was because uh, they were outside of the norm of whom the the Hebrew or the um, children of Israel should have married, according to God. So let's continue to look at this. Minister Belinda, please share your thoughts in that area. Okay, Minister Belinda, can you? we can't hear you. Um, do you have us on mute? Okay, let us continue. Uh, Minister Jacqueline, please um, share your thoughts again around what we're talking about. Um, After listening to what you just said, um, you're right, because the Bible does not actually um, tell you, you know, what what, um, Tamar's um, thoughts were um, pertaining to that. And I like the way you said that, because she could have had the best of, of intentions, like you said, and was hoping that you know, uh, maybe thinking that Judah was going to bring his son with him, and that he would put he would put his eyes upon her, and that, like you said, she could continue. But the whole point of the matter, I believe, on her behalf, is that she just didn't want to be left um, and pushed to the side, you know, and just left wearing her widow's clothes and never um, being be, being married, remaining in that state, you know, of of, of just not. Um, you know, take this consideration 
for lack of a better word. And 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 so it um it was like you said, Judah, him being young, maybe he never even realized like or took into consider consideration the protocol, or even he didn't think about her feelings at all. But I think he at some point he might have even been angry with her because of the loss of his two children. You know, reason why he didn't keep his promise um, to her and kind of sort of blamed her and never took the time to look at his what was going on in his own household, what his own sons were actually doing, because what they did was they it, it was disturbing to the Lord. You know, God killed them because he didn't he he looked on their on their acts, you know, as disrespect. So you know, he took their lives. And did Judah ever even stop to even to think about, you know, that? Because you send them in there, be with her, and yet she's still not pregnant, you know, never even wondering why. I mean, the Bible clearly tells us that, you know, he spilled his seed, but did his father know that that's what he had done? And if he did, you know, he still kind of, you know, did he um, not think to, you know, even to say, well, that was wrong and it wasn't really like her fault, and then try with the third son or have a conversation, you know, none of that is revealed in the Bible outside of the fact that what the boys had done and how he, it had, um, it grieved the Lord. So um, to see, to to look at, um, you know, looking at this, this, um, this story here, this passage in the Bible and how it kind of comes in right at that point in between um, them selling, um, selling off Joseph and his plight and what he was going to later on go on to be and prove this to be this son of this man of integrity, which Judah clearly did not have Joseph's integrity. And like you said, he was the son of the son of Leah and then Joseph being the son of Rachel. So maybe there was something between their behaviors and how in the household that they were actually being brought up in. So that could have a lot to, to do with how these um, these events in this one um, uh, chapter here, how they play out. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And um, when we look at today's time, it's, it's um, quite interesting of the thoughts um, at that time, how they would handle a, a woman who they presumed or uh, assumed to be a harlot, <laughs> you know, because he says in uh, in this area of Genesis 38 through 20 through 26, he says he he wants them to bring her to them so that he can burn her to death, um, which is quite extensive. It's a, it's a huge load. And when we look at, um, you know, not saying that all women are like that. And, of course, um, maybe some of them, some things have happened in their past that has caused uh, the promiscuity um, and the load to go off into the mode of, uh, you know, sleeping with various men. Um, we do have that now uh, occurring on a continuous basis. Um, but at that time, it was like, you know, let's burn her. Um, and and that's a very extreme um, act to occur, just you know, because she had with someone and she had became pregnant. Let's let's look a, around that a little bit because um, you know we as uh, women um, of the body of Christ 
or uh, children of God uh, are called to act out our lives differently uh, from the way of the world, um, not to bring accusation or not to bring judgment or, or criticism upon anyone. Um, I wonder if, you know, those things that would have happened with Tamar, uh, if she wasn't proven to be right, you know, because he said she was more righteous than he was. So obviously he had a presumption that he had a form of righteousness with him, uh, being the son of Israel. Um, what what do you think um, about that? You know, do you think that well, women would be slow to form relationships with men? Or what are your thoughts in that area, if, if it were in this hour, that those type of acts would happen? Well, um, today, I mean, think about, well, we live in, in some cultures who still, they still do have um, arranged marriages. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think that, that the woman would kind of um, take on that type of, um, would, would make a, um, a statement in that regard and to step out and do such a thing because um in this day and age where I know women, we, we do have a, a bit more freedom and, you know, there's a way to disagree even even that after you've been, your hand has been given in marriage and it's not something that you want to do. But in her particular case, well, here she's now been given in marriage, so she agreed to go along with it and then to wind up in a predicament as she was. I'm not sure if women today would, um, in fact, go to that length to, and after she realized, because remember now, um, even though she made, she we were speculating before that she could have very well have taken into consideration or that maybe the father uh, was going to bring the son and she could possibly mate with the son, but when the father, you know, she went along with it. You know, she didn't back down mm-hmm. or she didn't excuse herself, you know, out of that particular um, uh, situation that was about to occur, because perceived that um, she was she was a, um, a harlot, they were they were talking and making an exchange of what they were going to do, what was what was going to be her compensation for the act that was about to occur. So all the while, you know, now she knows she knows what Judah looks like, her face covered, but his isn't. So she knows now that she's about to go and become intimate with her father-in-law. So in bringing that forward to today's um, woman in a situation like that, not that um, I I know much of of, of being in a situation like that of an arranged marriage, but would would a woman today opt to um, sleep with the father as opposed to the son? I, I won't, I won't, um, I, like you said, I won't pass judgment on it. But if that were to be the case, you know, that would be uh, an individual choice or something of the fact. But as a woman today, because most of your arranged marriages are in your your cultures where you know that is expected of them, and and they don't want to be disobedient to their parents who are making the arrangements and moving forward. So they kind of more so are more likely to just go along with whatever is is asked of them to do out of loyalty to their family and allegiance to their family. 
So what said what Tamar did in that time, that was a, a very bold move, I believe, on her behalf. That it was also yeah. kind of a move of desperation because she just didn't want to yeah. be, you know, left alone and, and and cast to the side, which is what Judah's intention was going to be of her. He was not going to treat her rightly, you know. Right. And he right. I right. asked that what he had done, he had treated her very unrightly. So he would he gave her and and counted her act to be more righteous than he was because he did he knew at that point that he didn't treat her right. Yes, I totally agree with you um, there um, in both of your comments. But um, I don't think I, I wonder even if in that time, you know, because I, I look at the time when of Jesus when the woman who was caught with um, in the act of adultery. And they brought her to be stoned in in um, front of Jesus. I wonder even at that time if a woman really had a choice when the question came to her that as such as what came to um, Tamar from Judah when he said um, he said and I he pleaded with her to let him be able to come into her. And Mm -hmm. for he knew not that she was a daughter-in-law, and she said, What will thou give me that thou mayest come in unto me? And he said, I will send thee a kid from the flock. And he said, Wilt thou give me a pledge till thou send it? And so um, it looked like she was kind of setting up the stage a little bit there that um, if something was going to happen to her, that she would have something to Uh to to say, you know, this is this is the person who has done this to me. And and right. it's like she was trying to claim her right to the Levitical mm-hmm. or the Leveret uh laws by, you know, bringing um the situation into a position that um I'm innocent. I'm I'm taking on my right. I'm I'm getting my right out of um, the tribe of Judah uh, that was supposed to come to me, and and then mm-hmm. that's where, yeah, and that's where it appears that she was going, but um, in the eyes of Judah, he was just, you know, he's young, he's Roman, he's, you know, he sees uh, a potential of sleeping with someone. Because you remember this, it wasn't that um, the the first wife, sure, it wasn't that. She was given to him by the father, you know, as as in the custom it would have been done at that time. It's like he went and t- took her, okay. is what the Bible is saying. So he had a, a little trend going there that he was accustomed to doing, and and he had not left it. Um, it you know, and so he, every time when he was doing this, he was leaving his father's household to connect. So obviously he was sneaking around a little bit here, doing this away from his father, um, from his father's presence. Um, And we often have that happen um, in this time where we see even the male side, you know, sneaking outside of the father's presence, outside of God's presence, um, thinking that uh, Elroy can't see me now and performing such acts, looking for that uh, harlot, looking for that 
uh, or a prostitute as it was because actually she became a prostitute when she did an exchange for for it. You know, typically when we look at a harlot, there's no exchange. So um, what what are your thoughts in that area? Uh, just after after listening to you and you uh, further explaining um, some things, I, I I agree with you that um, you know she wanted that that was a, a a step that she took in order to try, like you said, to protect herself because she kind of realized you know what could what could have been the end result because had she not taken those things and then she in you know, she now is obviously pregnant, they were going to burn her, you know, her and her child. They were going to burn her until, you know, realized that it was Judah was the one who had done this to his daughter-in-law, even though he wasn't aware of it at the time and he did that, but when it was brought back to his home, you know, in his father's house, he acknowledged what he had done. But had she not had taken those things from him, she would have had no recourse and could have very easily ended up dead. So what she did was protect herself and her and her unborn child that they may live. Because had it not been for those things that she had done, they could have, like you said, with the woman um, that was caught in, in the adultery, they were going to stone her to death. So death would have been the outcourse you know, the, the end result for her in that situation. So what she did was, you know, she did to save her life. Yes, and then also, too, we're looking at the time, the fact that, um, you know, he just had lost his wife and he was consoled and then he's, you know, making his mind up to go um, to shear his sheep, which normally that's a time of festivity and, and right. having fun and getting mm-hmm. full. Um, so um, at that point, you know, it was like he was letting loose um, at his age to, um, I guess, soar his roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, oats, as they say, you know, to mm-hmm. to go and uh, search out someone that um, was going to satisfy what he was looking for from the flesh. And so mm-hmm. with that, out of that, out of that momentum comes um, the twins um, that uh, Tamora has, and she, she's getting relieved because she brought the uh, items that he had given her out and, and displayed them. And, and she said, uh, uh, I pray, pray thee, whose are these, the signet and the bracelet and the staff? discern i pray thee and and judah acknowledged them and said she had been more righteous than i because i gave her not to sheila my son and he knew her again no more now um i i tend to agree with you like what you were stating in the beginning that his first thought had to have been that oh i lost heir not looking at the son's era before god and then, um, you know, not considering that what did Onan do? Um, did Onan do something? No, it was like Tamora automatically became the bad guy like or the bad girl um, as though that 
she was the reason causing the affliction upon the sons, but that wasn't the reason. Um, and naturally, she would have been because they wasn't supposed to marry outside of, um, you know, and he married a Canaanite woman. So um, naturally, that you know, if he pro- that would be a good reason for him to think think that God is causing him problems, or think God is giving him. Uh, not causing a problem, but God is letting his sons die because they are going outside of the norm of what they were supposed to be in when they married. Um, but that was not the cause. It, the cause was his sons. And because the Bible says uh, um, verbatim, the verbatim as the Lord is speaking is uh, through his word that um Era was wicked in the eyes of the Lord, and Onan had had performed a, a act that was not uh, worthy in the eyes of the Lord. So that's why he was destroyed. So it was not even Tamar, but it was perceived uh, probably by him and and um, everyone else that Tamar was at fault. So again, um, you know, it's. It's a very um, story. It's a very interesting story. I'm sure to many. Uh, once you get a, a glimpse of it, but we can take lessons in it in so many different ways. Um, and let's look at again at the fact that now we have these two twin, the two sons born. Uh, they're twins. They're the Judah is still the father, um, and we know that our Lord and Savior comes from the tribe of Judah. And so um, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what would you like to say in that area? Well, that was, I found, um, pretty interesting because um, I went back again and I was reading that lineage line. And mm-hmm. as you look, um, mm-hmm. and as the, the topic is the strange, you know, the strange women. And when I, I went back and I looked, Outside of Mary, all of the women that are mentioned here are somewhat out of sorts. You know, not not mm-hmm. the the women um, of they come nowhere near um, Mary and the fact that she was a young virgin. But when you look mm-hmm. back at you got Rahab, who also was a harlot. She's yeah. listed in the itch. Um, and also, too, was not, you know, um, I believe, I'm not actually sure, but I know she was not of the Israel or the Hebrew bloodline. And then you had mm-hmm. Ruth, who was the um, the Moabite. Mm-hmm. After that, but prior to Ruth, you had Tamar, you know, the Canaanite right. woman. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and when you get all the way down to Mary, and but preceding Mary, because she's the fourth woman, the last woman in there. But the the three other women that were mentioned, um, Tamar, first, um, and before, actually, yeah, go ahead. Before actually, go ahead. I'll, I'll mention uh-huh. the other one. Uh-huh. Okay, so there is one more. Did I miss it? Okay. Um, um, okay. Okay. Uh, Tamar, Ruth, Rahab. Um, I'm sorry, Rahab, and then Ruth, and then Bathsheba. Right, that's what I was just saying. But they don't mention that she's name. They call her yeah. the wife of your. Yes, but but yeah. those women 
who are different, you know, and we're in, you know, situations that, you know, the Bible brings light to. All of them have their own separate story outside of the lineage when we're spoken about here because, as you know, we just read about um, Tamar. Of course, there's a there's a, a chapter in the, the book for um, on Rahab and, on, of course, mm-hmm. on Ruth. And then, of course, you know, David is constantly, God is constantly referring back to his situation with um, with um, Bathsheba. But oftentimes when the Lord wants to point that out, he always calls her, he is often, I won't say always, but he has often mentioned her as the wife of Uriah, you know. Right, and, and right. Always making that the point that she, though she, showed, though she was David's wife and Solomon's mother later on, she was first the wife of Uriah. And God makes mention to that to, I, I, don't, I don't know if he, and this is just me saying it, you know, as a constant reminder of, of, of David's sin, but, mm-hmm. you know, just to think about that this is mm-hmm. this because is this is what, what had happened. She was the wife of Uriah. And though God, uh, David was a man after God's heart and, and he was this great king, uh, Bathsheba was still the wife of Uriah. And so mm-hmm. when, um, just thinking about the women, you know, in this whole, the, how they wound up in the lineage, though, but God still used them to be in the lineage yes. of, you know, so oh, I, I really that that's mm-hmm. amazing because, you know, like you said, people, we oftentimes, we will have one opinion, you know, if if, if it was a man, man would constantly condemn and, and crucify, but God in his grace mm-hmm. and his infinite wisdom and his mercy, he ultimately has the last faith, though. So that can be that can be um, you know looked upon as um, as hope for some you know because we all have sinned the Bible said and fallen short and have made mistakes but ultimately God will determine you know where you will ultimately end up at you know it's, yeah. it's going to be have the last say so you know because was it the thing that she had done who are we to say like you said not passing judgment because at the end. God still looked upon her and allowed her not just to be in the in in the part of that that um, lineage that brought that brought Christ to, but she's even mentioned in the Bible. So yes. at, when it's all said and done, you know, I got I, I one of my favorite scriptures and and I and I stand on this because I don't look like you said not to judge people because we've all sinned, but mm-hmm. the Bible says, "There I, but by the grace of God, by the grace mm-hmm. of God and His mercy." So that in the end is is a blessing after um you know after all that God can still have grace and mercy upon any one of us you know in any given situation. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I'm so yeah, so that and with with you know because um, the question was about how what what were my thoughts about how you know they all came the how Tamar if nobody else came in to be in the lineage of Christ uh, and my thoughts on that so. Yeah, yes. yes, and it's wonderful because it's quite a big contrast from, like you said, with Mary, who was a virgin. Um, mm-hmm. And when we're talking about virgin, there were many virgins in, in, in that time um, that probably God could have chosen, but he chose Mary. And when Mary is uh, crying out, she's saying that she was a bondservant uh, mm-hmm. of the Lord, and that she was... Uh, and intertwined to obey him and do what his will was. So there was a uniqueness in her uh, being
being a virgin in the eyes of God. It wasn't just the fact that she was a virgin, but she declared that she was a bond servant of the Lord or a maid servant of the Lord in some um, uh, context, uh, uh, interpretations. But let's look at um, this Matthew chapter 1, um, what, you, what you're talking about, this lineage, when uh, Judas begets uh, Perez, but, of course, the name has changed, transliterated over across time because now we're in a group or, uh, I mean, Greek instead of the Hebrew language. And the name transliterates into uh, Ferris and uh, Zara and, and Tamar. And, and, um, uh, and, and, you know, and it goes on like what you're saying. Now, Tamar, his name is there. Uh, Rahab's name is there, Ruth's name is there, but as you mentioned, um, it just brings out the lineage of David, but it does not, uh, and it says that Jesse, like you said in verse 6, Jesse begot David the king, and David the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. So I totally uh, agree with you what you're saying about Bathsheba. She's not mentioned by name there, but um, we know, you know, from the scripture that she was the wife uh, that brought forth um, Solomon, right? So now, when when we're looking at this, they are quite a big contrast, again, from what uh, Mary was, but yet the Lord still used them. Uh, Mary Mm -hmm. was the the Hebrew. Mary was of the the, uh, tribe of Judah. And mm-hmm. yet, uh, Tamar, she was from the Canaanites, Ruth was a Moabite, Rahab was a Canaanite, and uh, the Lord still used them uh, to bring forth the lineage of Jesus Christ. So when we're talking about bloodline, we know that uh, the bloodline uh, not necessarily is what uh, will get us into the kingdom of God. We know that um, because... Uh, Mary carried the word. Mary carried Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. Yeah, it, it wasn't that uh, it came through uh, the same way like Judah um, uh, had relations with Tamar, and then the twins come forth. It was uh, immaculate. It was an immaculate conception. So, yeah. which is quite different. And now that we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he has given us access uh, to walk into the kingdom of God through seeking the kingdom of God in his righteousness and everything being added to us. Um, what would you like to say about that, um, I do, Sister Jacqueline? We're going to open up the line to the audience uh, shortly. Um, well, with um, in terms of the, the birth, like you said, um, yes, they were all, you know, conceived by man. You know, the children, um, when so-and-so begot, 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 those are uh, man um, as a result of man impregnating a woman and a, and, a, and a child being brought forth, a son, a son, a son. But when it came to Mary, you know, the Holy Ghost um, came upon her and she conceived, like you said, the word. The word, the word was God. The word was um, with God in the beginning. So she brought forth our Savior, our Redeemer, 
our everything that was that we are um, that we are experiencing and enjoying today. You know, Christ became the sin for us. And 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 in in um, discussing this, I'm, I'm reading this book. Um, it's called the Authority the the Authority in Three Worlds. And Charles Capps, he's talking about in this particular portion about how Jesus, how he bore our sin, and not to um, the, uh, digress from what you were just asking, but when we, we, we really need to see Christ for who he is and, 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 mm-hmm. and what God created him to be for us. Yeah. Because when you become, when you, because it, it just did so much for me as I'm reading it, I have, I, I, I saw the path to Christ, you know, I'm, I'm one of those women that my heart, my stomach is. I could never work in the hospital because I, I can't do blood that well. And I turned my face when they had Christ on, you know, when he was hanging on the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and when the Bible says how the it started, they, they were crucifying him in the daytime. But for three hours, the, the sky was complete dark. So when God was dealing with him, nobody got to see all of the the the, the um, metamorphosis, I'm going to say, that his body went through, all of the changes that his body went through, because he who knew no sin, he didn't he didn't become sin because he was still holy, but he carried our sins, he bore our sins, yes, and, yes. and disease that we that man that is known to mankind today. And when you look upon and you see people with leprosy and arthritis, you ever seen somebody who has arthritis and arthritis has, has had their body so crippled up? And the, the book goes on to explain like Christ, Jesus the Christ, his body endured all these things, all of the sickness and the disease that, that mankind it has been known today to experience. Christ bore that in every sense. All at one time, all at one time, he carried all of those diseases, and and for me, that has just been mind blowing because I'm 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 in my private time, I'm talking to the Lord, and I'm like, like, but God, it was like really like that because when you read in the book of Isaiah, he talks about how he was he was so uncomely, you know, that nobody could really look at him and, yeah. and to see. Yeah. You know that 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 it was just it was just that horrific and that horrible, but because of love, because of the love of God, you know He allowed His only begotten Son to endure such pain, so that we could live today. And He chose Mary to be able to carry that child because that is the child that she carried. You know, and I, I love the song of Mary. Did you know? Did you know that your child will one day, you know, give sight to the blind and, and do all of these things and be your savior and your deliverer? You know, that's just, that just, it just takes my worship for God to a whole nother level because when you come to know the love of God and what he really, really has done for us, you know, oh, yeah. that, that, that you, it's like, it's like, but wow, wow. And who wouldn't serve a God like that? Who wouldn't serve a God like that? Because Jesus, Jesus is the Christ. You know, he is God. He became God in the flesh, you know, so yeah. that we can have the authority that we have in this world today. And and further on saying that he became the, the son of God, became the son of man, so that 
we can have the authority that we have here on on this earth here today. It's just, just, it's just amazing. God is just, God is just so awesome. He is so awesome. But ultimately, everything that God has done for us has been because of the love that He has for mankind, and it is just, it, it blows my mind when I think about it. Amen. 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 I totally agree with you because. I think in the intimacy with him and your communion with him one-on-one, um, it, it brings you closer to him. And, and yeah. you become, uh, yeah, you become, uh, you begin to hunger and thirst for him more and more. And you will want to search him out in his word. You will want to search him out in every way that you have access to to be able to be closer to him. And mm-hmm. you want him with you everywhere you go, everything you yeah. do, everything yeah. you say, um, which is very important for us now. And that's why it's so important for us to, um, you know, know where we are in this hour in our relationship with him. Very mm-hmm. important for the body of Christ to get there. You know, one of the things that um, we can take note of that is so important is that Judah had a staff. Um, which is symbolic for his emblem of authority being the tribal leader of yes. Judah. And he was willing, you know, it's like he was passing off that royal scepter. He was giving mm. over, over um, to a, what he perceived to be a harlot mm-hmm. to take care of him. And and also his other emblems, you know, because we you know a, a signet is what is it? It's right. it's your stamp. It's your your yeah. brand. It's you know right. signet from right. yes, I stamp this off. Um, right. So yes. it, it also shows that he was in a place of authority. Um, yeah. The other uh, one that he gave off was also showing that he was in the place of authority. And he transferred that authority over to what he perceived to be an harlot, which means that he was um, very weak at that moment, I I would think, or he was just hungering at that moment to satisfy his flesh. We, the body of Christ, also have to be careful there not to give away um, that relationship that we have yes. with Jesus, yes. that opportunity to stand in him, in the midst of him, and glory with him, glory mm. in him. Um, oh, you know, yes. we, we have to be careful not to take advantage of that opportunity, um, to sit to sit in our uh, place that he has given us, that he has says, I'm giving, you know, he, he says to the disciples that I'm giving you, that authority, I'm transferring that authority that I've taken back from darkness that I'm giving to you. We have to be careful on how we manage that authority, how we live in that authority, how we walk in it, in him, um, uh, with man and, and with him. We have to be careful how we cherish it because it's very important that we, we keep it um, to be able to remain sustainable in that covenant uh, connection with him. And so there's so many things out there that uh, sometimes we can easily want to just let go uh, because of uh, the fleshly side, the gateways, the eyes, the ears, the nose, and 
and mm-hmm. uh, what we what we take in and allow to rule in our souls. So we have to be careful to guard it and and keep it far out away from us that we will not lose that uh, connection with our Lord and Savior because it's so important. And why would we want to lose it when we have uh, a, a God who came down in the flesh that we would be saved? Why would we want to lose that? Um, we're going to get to the point of uh, sharing solutions and talking about how we can avoid, um, you know, losing the, our rightful place in the kingdom of God uh, that we have received when we said we believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, that we have received when He uh, we've taken on the baptisms, when we have uh, decided that, uh, yes, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Um, we're going to come to those solutions uh, shortly, but before we do that, we want to open up the lines to give the audience an opportunity. If you have any questions or your insights you want to share or prayer requests, feel free to do so at this time. Good morning, um, audience. If you have any questions. Or you have, um, and we've been talking on the topic of Tamar, um, who would be considered to be a strange woman at this time. And, you know, I'm sure at that time it may have been thought to be strange, but Judah said he was more righteous than he were was. Um, do you have anything you would like to say at this time? Okay, bless the Lord. Well, we're going to continue on, and we we want to get to the point of uh, solution again. If there's someone out there that is experiencing what Judah was going through at that time, um, what what can they do? Because, I mean, Judah could be a woman, too. Judah could be uh, a man. Mm-hmm. Judah could be a child because he was, uh, what, around 15, 16 years old, according to the historical facts. Uh, what... what um, would you like to tell them what is the solution for all of this? Sister Jacqueline. Um, well, in terms of, you know, like you say, Judah could be a man, a woman, or a child um, because he found himself in a place um, his wife had, had recently died. You know, he had lost um, both of his sons were dead, two of his three sons were dead, and um, he found himself acknowledging his his pain in his fleshly body, so he decided to go, like you said, um, with his friend, the Adulamite, to go seek some relief that was going to please his flesh. And my advice to anyone who is going through Anything that that you that if you have a struggle would always be to take it to the Lord in prayer, because God will always, you know, guide you. The Bible says that the, that the step of a righteous man is ordered by God, and what makes us righteous? It's a gift from God when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, because we are not righteous in and of our own self, but only through God, He has given us that righteousness. And and I would say to anyone, seek the Lord first. Seek the Lord first. Find someone that you can get some good 
godly counsel from. You know, the Bible says um, not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So if you're having any type of struggles, don't seek someone out who doesn't know God because they're only going to, again, they're going to tell you, oh, do whatever makes you happy. Appease your flesh. In the, in, in, and if you're a believer and if you even desire to, to have a relationship with God, we must learn to kill the flesh and walk by the spirit because the Bible says that we, 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 don't, um, we don't walk through the, through the spirit. We have to acknowledge, not the, the, the flesh, we have to acknowledge our spirit man and not to obey the Do what you feel to do is not necessarily the right thing to do, but again, Seek the Lord. Seek some godly counsel. Get someone of of, of 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 a God mindset that can pray for you in your time of struggle, and who can advise you what would be the best situ best thing to you for you to do in your particular given situation. Because we can make some mistakes sometimes by um, trying to appease our flesh, and it can in fact make a bad situation worse. So you don't want to necessarily go to it. Just like Judah, that's the perfect example. He was already in a bad situation because his, you know, his wife died. He lost two of his sons. That's not a good place to be. But nevertheless, he went and because he was trying to appease his flesh, he turned around and he made that situation made it even worse. He made it even worse because he impregnated his daughter-in-law unbeknownst to him. Now, had he got down on his knees and prayed and sought the Lord, the Lord would have definitely revealed to him what he had, what his sons were doing was wrong. And if there was anything that wasn't right in him, the Lord would have pointed it out to him because God doesn't want us to be deceived. So he's going to always point us in a direction that's going to bring us closer to him. And sometimes when you seek the Lord, you may not always like what the Lord may have to tell you, but if you're your your own life, you're going to seek God because he's going to tell you the truth about what's going on with you. And sometimes the truth is not always easy to bear, but I'd rather somebody tell me the truth than to continue to tell me a lie and make my situation worse off. So to anyone who's struggling today, my advice to you would be to seek out some godly counsel. If you're not saved, again, um, seek out godly counsel. And if you're saved, you know that's the right thing to do, to seek out godly counsel. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Um, you know, one of the I want to point out a few things that um, – Jude, about Judah and Tamar that we can take note on, body of Christ, um, and for anyone that is listening out there, because we want you to come in and join us in, in the fold where of the Lord, uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Bible, you know, according to this Genesis 38, we see that Judah was kind of like disconnected with um the God, the covenant of God that his father had, in that, you know, he had a friend um, that he had connected with, and there was a Canaanite. And, you know, the Canaanites, they had different values, different systems, different beliefs um, that was not associated or aligned with the covenant of God that Israel had. So we want to be careful on on that 
the friends that we choose, number one. And Mm -hmm. uh, Sister Jacqueline pointed out very rightly, and that is the counsel of the godly is very important, Psalms 1. Very important. I'll I'll get to a point. I hope um, Sister Jacqueline will read that Psalms for us when when I finish here. And and um, you know the wife that he had taken, he didn't really seek God in it. I don't see anywhere where he sought God or where he you know even went to his parents and said, um, uh, "I want to marry her." It just said that he took her. He took Shua's mm-hmm. on. So. You know, being very prayerful, men and women of God out there, men and women out there, you know, we need to be very prayerful when we are um, going into that relationship, going into that marriage relationship. We need to seek the Lord fervently, um, not not just, you know, oh, I prayed about it and I sought the Lord and, and, and this is the one for me. No, let the Lord commune and talk to you. Let let there be a divine revelation that come from God in it before you take that choice. Don't just pray in the air and and assume that uh, because I prayed, I know that this is what it is. No, that's not praying and seeking the Lord fervently, seeking his face in it to get the glory out of it and to glorify God in your marriage. Um, obeying your parents and the Lord. We can see also, too, that Air uh, was, in the eyes of God, he was wicked. Um, he doesn't say how he was wicked in, in the Bible, but um, when the Lord says he was wicked, we can, you know, sum that up, that he just was not following covenant. He wasn't aligned with God. Um we can also, and, and obviously he knew he was wicked um, because um, if he didn't know, I, I don't think, you know, in this time God will do some harm to us. But if you know, that's how we will be judged by the word of God what, for what you know. Um, when we're looking at obeying the Lord also too, uh, the second son, Onan, he received a command from his father to go into Tamar, and he disobeyed it. He disobeyed it because he had his own way of processing it and analyzing it and thinking it out. And it wasn't favorable in God's eyes. He didn't like it. So the Bible says he slew him because of that. We have to be careful to obey our parents unto the Lord, as it is unto the Lord. Now, we do have uh, what you call wayward parents out there, those that choose to follow out the ways of the world. So I'm not trying to say uh, those that are not in covenant with God, those who not desire you to be in God, because maybe your parent, uh, some parent may be walking the wrong path and tell you to do something that you know that is not sound in God. Um, and if you know that, uh, seek counsel, godly counsel. That That's what I will tell you. So seeking the Lord and all things is very important. Seeking the Lord and all things, even if you receive advice, you should get on your, your knees. You should lay out, stretch out, as David did at the uh, threshing floor. He sought the Lord so fervently, um, uh, laying out on the threshing floor. 
Um, we, where, where are the men and women of God that will do that now? We have to begin to sincerely seek the Lord for revelation on our, on our decisions, on things that we do. Um, studying the word of God above all things. Jesus is the word, and then we need the fullness of the word, not just a scripture that you have chosen for that day to say, this is what the Lord is saying to me. Get the fullness of the context so you can get his sovereign will out of it for your life. And what, how does it connect you with them? Him. How does it bring you into worship with him? How does it bring you into fellowship with him? How does it lead you along the narrow path unto the narrow gate that the Lord has for you? So that is what I would like to say is the solution. We have to open up our eyes and be awakened in the Lord, in the Lord. And how can we do it? We need his word. We need to pray to him. And I'm not talking about just praying something in the air. I'm talking about a communication with God that is connecting with him, and you know you're waiting upon an answer. And when that answer comes to you, you know that you know whether he comes in dreams, whether he sends forth his ministering angels before you. Maybe he will bring a prophetic utterance. I can't say because he spoke to Balaam with a donkey. I don't know how he would talk. He spoke to Moses through a burning bush. So I don't know how he will communicate with you, but if you wait upon the Lord, he will communicate back to you. He will give you an answer. So wait up on the Lord. Bless his holy name. So we want to uh, open up the line and and, uh, minister Belinda. We're sharing um, the solutions to avoid, um, you know, going into circumstances as Judah did and, and Tamara Please share your thought, your yes. solution, your thoughts in that area, please. Yes, I was listening to y'all. I've been trying to get on this, and I got busy. I was up early this morning. Uh, um, I'm glad to be back. I missed all y'all. Um, yep, welcome it, it, back to some, Arizona. Yeah, <laughs> we uh-huh. missed you too. Yeah, I we missed y'all guys a lot. Um, there's so much in that story, you know, and and, and the basic is. Understanding the character of God and his righteousness, you know, and and the order that God considers what is holy and righteous. You know, there's the perfect state of God, and then ours, there's our imperfected state that has very little to do with God. But God honors, you know, if you look at his character in that, it was the heart of this woman. Because the tradition was, she knew the tradition, that it, when her husband died, the other son was supposed to take. When he did what he did, he was dishonoring her. Then the father made a commitment that when the boy got bigger, but when he got bigger, he wasn't doing it. So in her mind, you know, to feel dishonored, to know that the right thing, she she wasn't really trying to be a harlot. She knew if she took his uh, staff of the stigma, all of that stuff was had power and honor in it. That if she got that, uh, I think it was a goat or, or a sheep, it, it wouldn't connect him to her. 
but she knew that had honor from God in those things, and he would have to honor her. So I, I look at all the aspects, you know, the different women that the men chose, uh, the heart. I think it was her character uh, of her heart. She didn't do it out of evil and just rebellion. And God saw that, and he honored her. You know, David, when he did the sin, but he had that heart. But I say to to uh, uh, to to know who God is, and know the will that God says is the perfect state. Because a lot of things we go through, we wouldn't have to go through if we knew the character of God. Why He says, "Be obedient." Why does He say, "Be attentive to My voice"? Uh, why does He say, "Listen to Me"? He is, and, and when. Uh, Sister Jacqueline said, to understand what he he did, his son did, what he took on for us, that's the love and the character of God. He didn't do it unwisely. He didn't do it out of foolishness. He did it out of complete commitment and knowledge and discernment and wisdom. And that he has imparted to us if we learn the character of God. How much did he love me? If he would do all of that for me, he wants the best for me. But I have to be willing to hear and wait. When God says wait, wait. When he says don't move, don't move. And for all those that are, uh, he even brought into covenant, what made a place that if we're a strange woman, and we've been dishonored, dishonored uh, sexually, whatever. People have gone through horrible things and think that they are not worthy, that they could no wise become holy or enter into that covenant with God. This example all through this, this story tells you you can't. Because that's the love of God. But when you enter into this covenant, let God change you so that you can have the best. You don't have to make no second Guesses. You don't have to accept something that's not uh, worthy of you. You know, Mary was that perfect state. So, uh, uh, you know, be like Donna said, be careful what you allow yourself to be around. Because there's given times you're going to be around, like even my travel with my family. There are some things that I see, but God says, my faith is not built on what I see. It's built and established in the word of God. I can look at it and analyze it critically in the spirit of God, not in my flesh and judging something of my flesh. He said, judge not. He's talking about our flesh because our flesh is unbalanced. God does not have falsified balances. When he judges something, it is clear, precise, and there's no mystery to it. He locks it down. He tells you, this is this. Do not be deceived. This is what this thing is talking. People are accepting the state of this world, that it's, it's, uh, it's normal. You know, kids are telling me, well, he has a, a, his girlfriend and, and, uh, sleeps with men and women. And now he's going towards her in a relationship. None of it's acceptable in God. 
But we, and we, these are Christians, and this is okay. But then you'll sit and hold hands and pray. No, it's not okay. It's, it's, what he says, all of those things to separate. God has a purpose in that. We don't receive the best when we align our minds to our own thoughts. He got angry because he knew that seed, that it would not be accounted unto him. He judged that in his flesh, in his own, you know, that's, that would have been an honorable thing for that woman. She would mm-hmm. have somebody in her life, a child to love. She would be, women were honored when they had children. That was like a state of honor. To deny her that was wrong. But, you know, that's what God says. No matter how somebody may dishonor you, if you wait on God, God will truly honor you. Amen. You know, one thing I like that you said, um, Minister Belinda, too, so with everything you said, um, where you said, if there's someone out there that is that strange woman or that have experienced strange things in their life, it doesn't mean that you you can't come out of it. It doesn't mean that you don't have a way uh, to let go of your day. And there's... You know, so so many people have been abused or forced yes. to often situations. Horrible things that you can't even imagine. Yeah, because, Horrible. you know, like you who had committed adultery, you know, um, we don't know what that adultery looked like back then because if we look at it now, a woman can be somewhere and the man can force himself upon her and then the man can push her out there and, you know, and it would appear that yeah. she committed adultery, but it adultery, could have been but she did. Yeah. yeah, and so we don't know if tomorrow, if tomorrow would have left that scene and and could have possibly come back home and get had been caught with that yeah. veil on, and someone yeah. exposed her. We don't know what the repercussion could have been for, well, for her. They that said bring her, bring her to them to burn her. Well, they say she yeah. was with child. She hid it. But see, that stigma, mm-hmm. there's, uh, uh, I'm saying it wrong, but that Cain and all those things is what mm-hmm. saved her because he was the one that went into her. And he knew, he, he, he had promised her, and his heart was not right mm-hmm. because he said he did not keep his vow that he told her he would do. Mm-hmm. But then God said she was more righteous than any one of y'all. Everything they did was dishonorable, mm. you know. So mm. if they, if you know that person is out there, a man, woman, a child. So many people have. There is things that are being done now that is so incomparable to another human being. Mm-hmm. But there's a mm-hmm. God out there that loves you. You can come into the covenant with Him. There's nothing that He can't heal or wash. And make you yeah. whole can return your joy, your sorrow into joy. And that that story is a lot of that, you know. Out of all that they did, but it's the heart. Don't let your heart be hardened. The mm-hmm. enemy hard your heart to say, "I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm no, I cannot be renewed. I cannot be made whole. 
I'm just too mm-hmm. dirty. I'm just too broken. I, I, I remember somebody said I was broke of uh, used goods. And if I didn't know God, you know, because they found out a portion and they tried to put their judgment on it, which was wicked and evil. They had no understanding what happened to us as children. Wow. Wow. You know, and to say that to another human being. But, mm-hmm. you know, God rose up inside of me and said, uh, he said, I have called you holy. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and he told, just, to, just to, to when he came and he said, do you not understand? Because he kept giving me birth of that, uh, I think it's Proverbs, is it 32, 31, 32, about the virtuous woman. Yeah, he would give that over and over and over. And immediately God, Rose that up again to me and said, do you let no one call you unrighteousness? No one call you. I call you a virtuous woman. Wow. Wow. Nobody can block that out. Nobody can put a stain on you when God has called you. And you have chose to stay in that realm with God. Yeah. And I feel sorry. Once he removes the stain, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Yes. Amen. Yes. And when you come to the true knowledge of who your Savior is, you will not want to lay down. You will not take on the filth. You can see it. But I said, you know, Lord, I listened to it, grounded it. No. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm dying this day. But um, I do want to point out that once we come into that fold of the Lord and Savior, we do want to keep walking in the right direction with him. And so it, mm-hmm. it is going and again, to remain in the Word, remain prayerful, and continue to seek Him daily uh, in order for you to be um, built up and, and remain, uh, you know, we, we don't want to remain in a state of just drinking milk all the time. We want to grow in Him. So yeah. in order to do that, we also should fellowship um, with uh, the counsel of the godly. We should be in the counsel of the godly. We should want to uh, let iron be sharpening iron. want to connect yes. people who are in the word of God, uh, teaching the sovereign will of God so that you can continue to grow. And I'm hoping that, Sister Jacqueline, if you have Psalms 1 now, if you could read that for us. I'm going to read it in the New King James Version. Okay. And it has a, it has a title on top, and it says, The Way of the Righteous and the End of the Ungodly. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Amen. 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 So we we want to continue to walk in the way of the Lord and meditate upon him day and night. 
Um, that That is our um, way in order to remain in his sovereign will. We You can't go wrong. Um, you can mess up, um, but you have a way back, and that is through repentance. First uh, John uh, chapter 1, 7 through 10 tells us that he is faithful and just to forgive us for all of our sins. If we confess them, if we repent, um, and and if we say that we have no sin, he says we are a liar and the word of God is not in us. So we want to remain faithful in the kingdom of God, in the Lord, and strive for it. Not You're gonna, not going to be perfect, you know, and in your first stages, it may not be easy, but you can get there. Just just take your time walking in the Lord and with the Lord, and every time you realize that you're making a mistake, that's a good thing because that means that you're receiving the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you want to change. You, you want to uh, get it right. You want to make things right in the eyes of God. If you have no conviction coming, scary place to be because you're assuming that you're right and you're rejecting the Holy Spirit, and we don't want to do that. But we want to pray for everyone out there, uh, Minister Belinda, that maybe have been called strange, maybe have been rejected because uh, certain things that have occurred around them, but they really didn't do anything. Uh, they're just in that circumstance. We want to pray for those that are um, have faced that uh, uh, forced acts up on their life that they had no choice and they feel dirty, they feel like they can't come over, come past it. Uh, let's pray for them because we want them to know that there's a Lord and Savior that can help them, that can bring them out of that and that can cover them and that they don't have to be perceived or viewed by anyone as being uh, what they have been, what the words that have been said to them. Or, or the acts that have been done to them that they've been shot away. <coughs> um, Minister, yes. Minister Belinda, can we pray for the the, the yes. body of Christ yes. and yes. and everyone out there? We're praying for the the world in Jesus' name. Okay. Yes. Father, in your name, Jesus, we come into the throne room, God, because we know God that Thou art a mighty and a loving God. And, Father, we come in boldly, taking it by force, God. And, Father, we come, Lord, with lifting up every last person, every child, woman, man that has been defiled, God, that has been broken, God. We come before thy throne, God. Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, God, that you are coming away to them, whether it be by your spirit, whether it be by dreams and visions, God. But they will feel the presence of you, Lord, the holiness of you, God. Your character will come to them with us, love and the power. We release power, God, <laughs> to go forward, God. We release your mighty woman angels, Lord. If they're in places, God, of danger, God, we ask, God, that you will begin to move, shut doors down, tear things down. Unbind them, God, their chains, Lord, Father. I pray that the hearts be met, God, that these souls of these people, God, will cry out to you, that they will come to the knowledge and the wisdom, that there is hope, God, that you are their hope, God, and that you can wash them, you can renew them, you can heal up the wounds, God, 
and you can add to their character, Scott. In Jesus' name, God, your son died on this cross, Lord, Father. But every last one, God, he said that he didn't come for the, the whole, but for those that were brokenhearted, God, for those that were needed of a physician, Lord Jesus. God, let this Sunday, let the power of God go farther and flow. I mean, let it move, God, that these people have know that they've been touched by the power of the living God. Red Lord, in their homes, on their beds, God. Lord, I ask that deliverance come, God. A mighty flow of deliverance, God. Lord Jesus, you are able to reach into the houses, Lord Father, and come to snatch up that one that is lost, Lord. That one that is hurting, God. So, Lord, with God, we are touching an agreement ever. Last one of us, Lord Jesus, because we know what it's like. We've all been somewhere, and we have been touched by the living God. That's why we can stand and testify who the living God is, and he's not a religious God. He is a God that is able to see into the very minute heart of your heart to touch you where no other man, no woman can touch you, but it's done by the Spirit. He said, not by might, but by the Spirit of God. There's no limits to God. So, Father, we're releasing everything that you have commanded us to release. We are believing, God, without doubt, Father, that you are more than capable, God. You know where they are. You know what situation they are in, God, Father, whether it be in violence, Lord, Father, they're being dishonored, hurt God. Stop it in the name of Jesus. Stop it, God. Send God and let those that are doing it become dread and fear. Open up their eyes that they can see these mighty angels, Lord. Lord, let the fear and dread come on of God, that they'll have to change or they will be removed out the way of these people, Lord. Lord, those that feel that they have been so used, God, so violated, and, oh, Lord, so used that they lay in filth with no hope. But, God, you can light the fire in their souls, Lord. You can send, Lord, the angels of mercy, Father. Thou can cover them, Lord, with that blood, Jesus. You can cover them. Lord, and cleanse them, the fire of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we are limited, but you are not limited, God. And we're standing, God, on the word that laid the foundation, God, of heaven and earth, Lord, Father. You created all of it, God. So here that I'm a Sunday Lord, let the let them see God. Let them understand how much you love them, Lord Jesus. Let them know, God, that when man says they're unworthy, that they're worthy, God. That there's nothing, nothing that you're not capable of doing, God. The lowest, the lowest of filth, God, you're able to cleanse and purify till it shines like a bright star, God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father, we pray. And, God, we thank you, Father, for the testimonies, God. We thank you, God, that you 
deserve all of the honor, God. It is nothing in us, but we're just standing, God, to stand as you say and to pray, Lord, and believe in your word, God, that we can see people come out, Lord Father, in the name of Jesus. And we call it done. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you so much for praying for everyone, and glory be to God, and all honor and admiration to him. Uh, Minister, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Sister Jacqueline, let us pray for those who are ready to set down their signet, their bracelets, and their staff, their seat of authority um, for the flesh. Let us pray for them that they uh, hold on and harness what the Lord has given them, um, that they will be faithful in it and that they will rule and reign as sons and daughters, that they will seek that uh, that uh, godly counsel uh, to be sustainable in this hour. In Jesus' mighty name, as the Lord leads you um, with the utterance, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Father God, we come to you, Lord God, as humble as we know how to, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, to forgive us, Lord God, of any sin that we have committed knowingly or unknowingly, Father. We thank you right now, Lord God, that you are the one true living God. Lord God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, that died on the cross, oh God, and gave us the authority, oh God, to operate, to reign, and to rule here on this earth, Lord God. We thank you right now, Lord God, that we don't take that lightly, oh God, but Lord God, that we keep our faith and we keep our trust in you, Father God. Thank you, Lord God. Cause us, Lord God, to know. Have them, Lord God, to open up their eyes, Lord God, and to look within themselves, oh God, and see that that which you have created is good, oh God. And you said, let us make man in our image, oh God. You, you, Lord God, we are in the image of God, Lord God. We, we have the authority, oh God. You said you made us a little lower than the angels, oh God, and you take notice of us, oh God. We thank you right now, Lord God, that we don't take that lightly, oh God, and that we don't give in to the desires of our flesh, oh God, but we come, Lord God, and we acknowledge who we are and who we are in you, Father God. You said that if we are to worship you, we must worship you in spirit and in truth, oh God. We are not to give in to the wiles of our flesh, oh God, and you've given us power and authority, oh God, to tread upon all of the tricks in the in the wiles of the enemy, Father God. So, Lord God, help us to take, Lord God, our rightful place in you, O oh God. Let us not give in to the desires and the lust of our flesh, O oh God. Let us not allow the enemy, Father God, to come into us, O oh God, and to pick us off, O oh God. You have raised the army of the Lord, Father God. Let us gird up, Lord God, as Ephesians 6 and 10, Lord God, says that we are to pull on the Put on the full armor of God, Lord God, and we must come to know, Lord God, that we are in the fight for our very lives, Lord God, and we must not take these things lightly, Lord God. You've given us armor, oh God. You've given us staff. You've given us the word, oh God, that we are to stand upon your word, Lord God. You said that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word shall remain, Father God. Lord God, and we thank you right now, Lord God, that, that those of us, Lord God, who are called according to your name, Father God, that we do not surrender, oh God, to the wiles of the enemy, oh God, but we say yes, Lord God, we say yes, Lord God, to our service and to our worship unto you, Father God. Lord God, I speak now to Lord God, to all those that you have called, God, you have called, Father God, that they may come, Lord God, and worship you, Father God, that they may stand up, Lord God, and take their rightful places, oh God. Lord God, let us not surrender. God, that which you've given to us, Lord God, to the enemy, Lord God. You said that we have to be careful, Lord God, to not to cast our pearls before swine, Father God. So thank you, Lord God, that we know, Lord God, 
whose we are and who we are in you, Father God. Let us not continue, Lord God, to take it lightly, Father God, but you have called us Lord God, have an assignment in this place, Lord God, that we are to accomplish, Lord God. You have called us, each and every one of us, Lord God. You know of the hairs that are on our head, Father God. You called us all, Lord God, even before we were ever even in our mother's wounds, oh God, each and every one of us, oh God. You have a plan for our life, Father God. You said that we have not even, eyes have not seen or ears have heard that which you have in store for those who love you, oh God. So, Father God, you cause us our eyes and our ears, Lord God, to become open, Father God. Lord God, open our hearts and our minds, oh God, to receive what say of the Lord, Father God. You said that we are to study your word, oh God, and show ourselves approved to be workers that need not be ashamed of the gospel, Father God. Because when we study your word, oh God, we know, Lord God, that you have given us, we are your royal priesthood, oh God. You said that we have seats, oh God, in heavenly places, oh God. We are seated next to Jesus, oh God, in heavenly places, oh God. Let us not, Father God, think about, Lord God, and see the earth, Lord God, as it is, oh God, but as you see it, oh God. Lord God, let heaven, Lord God, rain down on earth, Lord God. Let it be as in heaven as it is, as be on earth as it is in heaven, oh God. Cause us to open our eyes, Lord God, and to know, Lord God, that you have called each and every one of us, oh God, and we have authority, Father God, to rain. You said you've given us authority, Lord God, over the, 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 the birds of the air, the, the fish of the sea, Lord God, and all of the fowl and all of the creeping things on this earth, Lord God. We have power and we have authority, Father God. Let us not take that lightly and let us not lay it down, Lord God, just because we feel like it, Father God. Let us speak to these bodies, oh God, and these minds, oh God, and tell us that they are going to line up and they're going to do what the word of God says that we are going to do. At the point, oh God, Lord God, that the enemy has no place in our lives, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we stand flat-footed against the enemy, Father God. And we think that all of the tricks and the plans of the enemy, Lord God, we cast it back to the to the pit of hell from which it came, Father God. And we, Lord God, we take our rod and our staff that you have given us to us, oh God, the sword of the spirit, oh God, which is your word, Father God. And we hold it up, oh God, and we stand, Lord God, and we are determined, Father God, to serve you with everything that is within um, us, Father God. We bring these bodies, and Lord God, into submission to the word of God, Father God. We will not give into our flesh, oh God, but we will let our spirit, Lord God, rule and reign over our lives, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. So we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord God, power and authority, Lord God, that you've entrusted into us, oh God, that you've given each and every one of us who calls on the name of Jesus, Lord God, that if we have Christ as our Lord and Savior, oh God, we have the power and authority, Father God, on this earth, Lord God. We are citizens, oh God, of your kingdom, Lord God, and we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord God, for that which you've entrusted unto us, oh God, and we don't take it lightly, oh God, and we will not cast our pearls, our pearls before the swine, oh God, of the enemy, Father God. We will stand up, Lord God, and take our rightful place and our authority, oh God, that you have given unto us, Father God. So, oh God, as you have said in heaven, oh God, it shall be here on the earth, Lord God, because we command it to be so, God. You said that you've given us um, power and authority, oh God to speak to the mountains, oh God, and they shall be removed, oh God. So we thank you, Lord God, for the greater faith, oh God. We thank you, Lord God, that faith rises up in us, Father God, we take our rightful place, Lord God, in your kingdom, oh God. In the name Amen. of Jesus, Lord thank you. We thank you, Lord God, and we give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor, oh God, because it is due unto you, oh God. It is due unto you, oh God. We thank you, and we magnify the name of God.
this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. All praises and admiration be unto God for the answers and prayers in Jesus. I want to read um, for those that do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For those that do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, they may be listening in now and have not found a way of hope. You may have um, studied it, many religions, but um, you just haven't made that intimate connection with the one and true Savior of the world, the Redeemer, the Deliverer. I want to read Romans 10 to you, and it says, so I'm reading from verse 1, Brethren, my heart, desire, and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to the knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doth those things shall live by them, but righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend unto heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend unto the deep, that is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture said, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew or the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him for whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of the peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah say, saith, Lord, who hath that believed our report? So, they, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I, have, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and the words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First, Moses said, Thou 
will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no no people and by foolish a by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Esaias is very bold and saith, I was found of them that taught me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he said, all day long I have stretched forth my hand unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Now, why do I read Romans chapter 10? But those that do not know them but have said, I by birthright I have this position. I wonder if you have sold your birthright. For those who say that, well, um, I'm a Gentile, so I believe in Jesus Christ and I got it. I wonder if you have totally submitted unto the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So this is an opportunity for those that do not know Jesus Christ to know him, to accept him as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says if you just believe in him and call Upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. So wherever you are, no matter what you're doing, just call upon the name of Jesus and ask him to save you. Ask him to take you out of the miry clay. Ask him to cleanse your heart that you might know him as your Lord and Savior. Ask him to open up your eyes and your ears to hear from him and to see him in his word. Ask him to... Let the Holy Spirit be a guide and a teacher to you day in and day out. And the Lord will do that. He's not hiding. He came for all, and he wants you to know him, that you will be saved. He's not hiding from you, or you hiding from him. The Bible says, draw my him, and he will draw my you. Very simple. Draw nigh to him, and he will draw nigh to you. He doesn't, his word is not empty and void. It will not go to shame. His word is not empty and void. It will not go to shame. So let him in your life. It's an opportunity for you to know the Lord and Savior as your God, as your lead, as your shepherd, as your righteousness. Is your sanctification, is your healer, counselor, as the wonderful, wonderful God. It's an opportunity and a privilege and an honor to be a part of the kingdom of God. It's given unto you now. Take it. Don't wait. Don't delay. Don't say, I'll do it tomorrow. Don't say it's too much for me now to give all of my life away to God. It's never too late. But do it now while you still have breath to say, yes, I give my life to Jesus Christ. No matter what I did yesterday, I receive his righteousness. I receive the blood of the lamb that's going to allow me in to the kingdom of God. I read everything he did for me on the cross and accept it as your way. Accept it as um, an opportunity, again, an opportunity to live in him. And I'm telling you, I can't say everything is going to be better, but what I can tell you is this. 
is that you're going you're going to experience something that will not let you go back, that will keep you hungering and thirsting for this God, this God who gave us life, this God who gives us breath to breathe. You know, sometimes when you go into the hospital, you will get a bill for the oxygen that you receive. But God has given us oxygen to breathe, and we've been breathing it since our birth at no cost. We've been drinking the water that he has given us since birth at no cost. So why, why will we give up the opportunity to be a part of him, to allow him to live in us? Even um, in the Old Testament, they didn't have that opportunity, but we have it. The opportunity for Christ to be in us. Why would you give it up for anything in this world? Once you taste that, once you taste it, once you just taste it, you will not want another. Trust him. Trust his word. That's all he wants is you to have faith and believe that he is who he is and he will walk with you. He did it for tomorrow. He took her from uh, being shunned, from being a person of rejection, uh, they wanted to burn her, but in an instant, he was called righteous. Um, we are getting ready to close out here now, but we want to thank you for listening to us on the Kingdom Mandate and also all of our other programs. We appreciate everyone throughout the world that is listening in, and we pray that what you are hearing is helping you and that you are drawing nigh unto the Lord. Not to us, but unto the Lord, because that's where we want you to be, with Christ Jesus. We'll be back here again next week as we continue with our series on strange women of the Bible. And our next topic is going to be about Rahab. Um, I used her mightily, and we're going to share about her life next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, Minister, um, Sister, um, I'm sorry, Minister Belinda, can you please uh, pray and close us out for those that may have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that God will keep them in Jesus' name. Okay. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you, God. If anybody has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord, we ask that you put a, a, cover, a head to protection around them, and, Lord, that you will guide and lead them from this day forward, and, God, that they will not lean to their own standard, but the power of God is to lean towards them. Whenever conflict's coming, lean on them. He's dependable. He will not be moved, and he will cover you and keep you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God. We ask that all that have been uh, surrounded together in this meeting, God, that you will watch over them through the week, Father. We pray, God, that more revelation and knowledge will come to us, God, and all those that are in the sound of our voice. We praise you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you let your love will be upon them, God, that they will feel a difference, God, in their spirit. God, we ask you, Lord, Father, that you do 
the work, God, and individually, Lord, Father. We just release our faith, God, and we ask you, Lord, keep us during the week, Father. Keep us all the days, really, of our lives, Lord Jesus, that we will stay faithful in you and that we will honor the calling that we have, God, and we will stay and rightfully not give anything of value to the enemy, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you lovingly, lovingly, God, for the faithfulness of these sisters, Lord, of praying and trying to and wanting to go beyond where they're at to grow. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I count it done, God, in the name of Jesus for all. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. And uh, the grace of God be with everyone. And may his uh, power, uh, grace of grace that is empowering you now and forevermore. In Jesus' mighty name, God bless you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.